Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, we celebrate Palm Sunday together. This shorter message brought to us by our care pastor, Gene Beckner, was accompanied by worship music throughout the whole service. If you want to listen to this service in its entirety, you can visit our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or download our Brookwood Church app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. better than that. Good morning. Yes. You're the early crowd. You guys sounded great singing, so I'm going to expect a lot from you as we spend the next 30 minutes or so together. Uh, My name is Gene Begner. I'm the care pastor here at Brookwood, and I'm uh, excited and honored to be here with you this morning as we take a look at, like the video showed, this last week of Jesus's life before the crucifixion. You know, Easter is coming And a lot of people get excited about that. But today is something that is called Palm Sunday. And the name comes from what is known as Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And as you just saw on the video, Jesus is entering the city to a lot of commotion. And you could see different uh, responses to Jesus coming. Some were excited. Others were apathetic. Some felt threatened. Some looked at him with disbelief. Ridicule, I would say today there's a lot of similar responses to him. Now, some of the Jews saw him as their promised king coming to give them uh, rescue from Roman oppression. And their response was to spread these palm branches down on the road before Jesus. Now, the palm branch uh, has a couple of meanings. One is obviously goodness, but the other one is victory. Now keep in mind, for the last 400 years since the end of the Old Testament in Malachi and the beginning of the New Testament in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's been pretty quiet. God hasn't been speaking a lot. There haven't been uh, any prophets. It's called the silent years by some folks. So there's a hunger for uh, being not under Roman rule. And so people are expectant. And I would ask you today, is what are you expectant for, okay? Because that's going to dictate what your response is to what we're gonna talk about today. Now, to make matters worse for the Jews, they, not only has God been silent for 400 years, but they've been oppressed. You know, they've been under the rule of several different nations, uh, the Greeks, the Egyptians, and then currently the Romans, and it hasn't been good for them. They haven't been treated well. And so they're looking to be rescued. Now here comes Jesus. He comes on the scene. He's been around for the last three years. Mark tells us that he's different than the scribes. Says he speaks with authority in Mark 1.22. And then Luke and Matthew tell us that he heals many people. That's Luke 4, Matthew 8. John describes how he feeds several thousand people with just some fish and some bread. And that's in John 6. And right after that, Some of the people wanted to, here's a key word, they wanted to force Jesus to be king. And he got away. And he basically said, look, it's not my time yet. It's not my appointed time. But today, we are going to look at the appointed time. Jesus enters Jerusalem, again, as we saw in the video, to the fact that he is indeed the king. 
And we're going to look at how the people responded. You can get your outline out if you haven't already done so. And I want to encourage you to be considering what your response is this morning to this simple statement. Jesus is king. Our memory verse comes from Luke 19.38 and it says this. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And reflect on that for a moment. What we are doing, essentially, is we are blessing Jesus, who is king. And he comes not in his own name, but he comes in the name of who? The Lord. So let's turn to Matthew 21, and let's take a closer look at his entry into Jerusalem and the response of the people. Feel free to swipe if you're using your phone or a tablet to Matthew 21. If you have this version of the Bible that we sell in the bookstore, we're on page 790. So if you'll find Matthew 21, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. I like that. And the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, this story is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Now, you would think if something was mentioned twice, if it was kind of tapped on twice, that would be important. This is tapped on four times. So I would say that deserves our attention, okay? Verses one through three seem to simply mention that Jesus is just sending two of his disciples to get him an animal to ride upon as he enters the city. But upon closer examination, here's what we find. There's two Old Testament references that Matthew draws our attention to. The first one is in Isaiah 62, 11. And it says this, the Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, keyword, look, your savior is coming. Next word, see, he brings his reward with him as he comes. So the people of Israel are instructed to do what? They're instructed to look and they will see their savior. And it says he'll bring a reward. And that's encouraging news to us today. The second one is in Zechariah 9.9, and it says simply this, rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, key word again, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, Yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a a donkey's colt. The Jewish people would have been familiar with both of these references. 
The Savior is coming with salvation for his people. Yet, their king, even though he is righteous and victorious, comes how? Humbly. And riding on a donkey's colt. See, Jesus could have come on a stallion. He could have been riding on the people's shoulders. There could have been a lot of pomp and circumstance. There could have been manufactured celebration. But yet, he's coming humbly just as he was when he was on earth. Think about it. He came to earth humbly. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't born in a hospital. He wasn't born in a great place with a lot of doctors and nurses. You know, he's out there with the animals. And even his ministry, you know, he's, he's born to a carpenter. He's, he's born to humble beginnings. But you know, he never had a palace to live in as a king should. You know, he never bragged, you know. He never drew attention to himself unless it was to draw attention to his heavenly father. Contrast that to what we see today. You know, actually his, his whole ministry was loving people, having compassion on people, speaking the truth and love. He wanted the best for other people. This is in sharp contrast to the Roman leaders and how they ruled over people. They, they forced allegiance upon people. They made people pay high taxes. They created fear in people with killings, crucifixions, innocent people, people that hadn't done anything. You talk about peer pressure. But even the religious leaders, he tells us later in Matthew 23, he says, you crush these people with unbearable demands and you don't even lift a finger to help. We should be mindful of those words, church, that we don't do that to those who are seeking, those who are looking, those who need help. Jesus is a king that is different. So as he enters the city, the people are paying homage to him. They recognize this is our king. They're laying their garments down on the, the ground and they're putting palm branches down as a sign of righteousness and victory. They were praising God, just like a lot of you were singing this morning. I felt like staying back there for a little bit longer and letting them continue with the music. It was wonderful. You just don't know how good it, it sounds to someone who's on this side. And trust me, I can't sing. So it even sounds better because I can't sing. And I accidentally had my mic on and they could hear me singing. Um, but let's look at this de in detail just a little bit more, okay? Let's look at verse 10. This is Matthew 11. It says, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. Now, you could say that a lot of different ways. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Okay. There's no emphasis on any of the words. But let's look at our first response or responses to the king. Let's look at our first fill-in. And the first response that someone might have to Jesus being king is questioning. Your first feeling is questioning. Now put yourself in Jerusalem for a moment. The whole city's in commotion. It's packed with people. And the reason why it's packed with people is because 
they're celebrating how the Israelites were uh, led out of Egypt by God, by Moses in Exodus 12. So they're celebrating redemption. They're celebrating freedom. They're celebrating being rescued. Just put yourself in a minute, even if you don't understand that, put yourself in downtown Greenville for a minute, okay? Maybe it's fall for Greenville, it's artist fear, it's farmer's market, or like yesterday, it's the prom, okay? You're down there, you can't move, you can't get, you know, the streets are packed. We're getting more and more familiar with that, aren't we, Greenville? Okay? And then all of a sudden, there's a commotion, and you see someone coming down Main Street, and people are throwing their jackets down, and they're throwing palm branches down on the, on the street, and you're kind of off to the side, and all of a sudden, you see this guy riding on a donkey's colt. Might you ask, who is that? Who is this? See, not everybody was looking for the Savior as Isaiah 62 instructs us. They were participating in the religious traditions. They were in the religious places like many of us today. But their focus was on something other than looking for the king. How about you? You ever get so distracted, so focused on stuff that you miss Jesus, you miss the king? Now, some of this can be important stuff. You, you got to pay bills. You got to go to work. You got to raise your kids. Some of this is good stuff, like coming to church, reading your Bible, participating in a service project, feeding the homeless, helping somebody move. All that stuff has value, and it is important but in the flurry of your life, are you missing the king? Maybe you're brand new to this whole church, faith, Christianity thing, and you're going, hey, I just got here. I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus who? Okay. Well, let me encourage you to ask that question. Who is Jesus? We can connect you with folks after this service who can help you answer that. Skepticism is okay. Being unsure is okay. Being confused is okay. Just bring the question. Can we journey together on that? I think we can. Because I believe that God is going to answer that question for all of us. Okay? So keep in mind the question on your outline at the bottom. My response to the king is what? As we go through this morning, just be reflecting on that. Your response may not be what's, what's on the three different responses that we're going to talk about today, but what's your response? Okay. Let's turn to Luke 19. If you have this version of the Bible, it's on page 844. I don't know about you guys, but these words are getting smaller as I get older. Whew. <laughs> Uh -huh, yeah, you don't have to say amen, but I could tell you felt what I felt. I'm, I'm going to bring my glasses out in the second service. That's ridiculous. All right. So the second potential response is rejecting. Rejecting. So let's take a look at Luke 19, verse 39. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher. Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. See, the Pharisees are responding 
to the response of the people who are praising Jesus. There are people today who don't want you to praise Jesus. But interesting, these are religious leaders. These are people saying, hey, get your people in line because what they're saying, we don't like. See, they weren't just praising Jesus because he healed people or because he was a prophet. They were praising him for being Messiah, for being God, for being their savior. See, the religious leaders wouldn't acknowledge that Jesus was king. They referred to him as teacher. They referred to him as rabbi, and he was those things. He was a great teacher, but he was so much more. If all he was was a great teacher, we're all in trouble. See, they were trying to catch him, making a mistake. They were trying to prove him wrong. They were trying to somehow discredit him. But yet, Jesus never did slip up once. Now, they didn't like what he said. They, maybe they didn't understand what he said. But Jesus was true. Now, here's the thing about the religious leaders. It's one thing for Jesus to say all these crazy things they didn't like or didn't agree with. But now he's got a following. And in this moment, his popularity is at a fever pitch. The people are excited and the religious leaders are threatened because they were listening to Jesus more than they were listening to them. See, they were losing control and they wanted it back and they were afraid. And when we are afraid, we tend to do the same thing, right? We have a tendency to control people mainly because we, we feel like if we can just control that person, then somehow everything will be okay. Some people want to control Jesus. Some of us in here today want to control Jesus. But that's not how it works. But what about you today? Are you rejecting Jesus as king the way the religious leaders are? And most of you on the inside just said, are you crazy? No way. We come to church, don't we? we you just said we sang those worship songs so great and you wanted to stay in here. Now you're accusing us of rejecting we give, we serve, we read the Bible. In fact, I've been baptized. What are you talking about? I'm not rejecting Jesus as king. I'm not talking about those things. Those are all great things. I do, I do those things. I'm talking about inside. Is Jesus the king of your heart? Your mind, your will? When you make decisions, how do you make your decisions in your life? Is Jesus the one that you consult with first? Is he the one that you go to first? Is he the one that you ask first? Or are you sitting on the throne? Am I sitting on the throne instead of him? Maybe, maybe you're more concerned about being politically correct. Seems like in today's world, if you say something out of step, half the people in this country are going to disagree with you and half of them are going to agree with you. You know, are you a people pleaser? Do you, do you want to be liked? Maybe you just want to be comfortable. You're just like, nope, 
I'm trying to stay away from all the issues. I'm just trying to stay in my little lane right here, and I just, I just want everything to be okay. That's an important question to look at. But don't be too hard on the Pharisees. Don't say, well, I'm not like them. Because rejection can be shown in many different ways. It can be obvious and outward like they were, rejecting Jesus. But it can be hidden. It can be subtle. And you say, well, well how? Like what ways? Not forgiving. Being resentful. In your mind, judging people because of how they look, where they live, what they say, where they are on their spiritual walk. Those things don't come out a lot, but they're in here, right? Either way, whether it's outward or whether it's inward, we're still not honoring Jesus as king when we do those things. Again, for those of you that are new to all this, I again encourage you, take a step toward God. Maybe this idea of Jesus being a king is weird or awkward to you. You're not sure. That's okay. Here's what I would say. Ask God what he wants you to know about all this. And let him begin revealing to you who Jesus is. And again, opportunities to connect with someone are going to be here. If you have questions, we're all on this journey together. Nobody has finished it. We're all still on this thing together. So keep in mind this question on your outline. My response to the king is what? What's my response? What's your response? The third possible response that we see in the scripture is celebrating. So let's look at Luke 19 again, verses 36 through 38. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now we see a third response to Jesus as king, and it's one of celebrating, rejoicing, singing, shouting. The people are proclaiming Jesus as king. As we looked at earlier, Old Testament scriptures were referenced as to how the Messiah would come into Jerusalem. God's promises is that there would be freedom and redemption. Expectations were sky high. Have you ever been there? Celebrating something that would benefit you like never before. A car, marriage, a job, children, graduating from School, a new house. Yet with all those things, somehow our excitement, it didn't last. And we maybe had some blinders on and we missed some things, right? The, the spouse has flaws. 
not yours, but others had flaws, okay? The, the child doesn't behave exactly the way we wanted. The job has a lot more challenges than we thought. We didn't get a job when we got out of college, when we graduated. We spent all that time. The, the car costs too much. The house has upkeep. The celebration was authentic for those things, but yet something's off. I think similar to this celebration. The people didn't quite grasp what Jesus was saying to them and what was happening. He wasn't gonna set up an earthly kingdom. There wasn't going to be the Romans being vanquished. In fact, Luke 17, 20, you don't have to turn there now, but the Pharisees asked Jesus, when is the kingdom coming? When is God's kingdom coming? And Jesus' response to them is, it's already here. But you're not gonna be able to see it. There's not visible signs or a specific place it's going to be in here. It's not the temple. You are going to be the temple. I am going to be the temple. They didn't understand that. So I think a fair question to ask is, then why are we celebrating Jesus as king anyway? If he isn't conquering Rome, if he isn't establishing a brick and mortar kingdom on earth, then what is there to celebrate? Well, the answer to that is what we're doing this morning, which is looking at the Lord's Supper, where Jesus lays out where his life is taking him and us if we choose to follow. When you came in this morning, you should have received a pouch like this. If you have not, please raise your hand and a volunteer will bring you one. Y'all got one? Everybody get one? We'll make sure you guys get one. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke all detail Jesus' explanations to his disciples that he's going to die at the hands of his accusers. However, he encourages them that he will see them again in his Father's kingdom. They eat bread as a symbol of Jesus' sacrificing his body, and they drink wine as a symbol of his blood that Jesus will shed so that those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior can have eternal life. So now we come to a time of reflection and remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us by willingly going to the cross for the payment for all people's sin. See, sin keeps us from a holy God, but Jesus bridges that gap with his sacrifice. We can't bridge the gap by our good behavior or our good deeds. We can only get there by receiving the grace that comes through Jesus. If you're still in a place of exploring a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to participate in this experience. However, if you have questions or you're interested in knowing more, again, I encourage you to come down front at the end of the service, talk with one of our care volunteers. You can also speak with somebody in the concourse at our care connection room.
For those of us who are believers, we're instructed by Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24. And here's what he says. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave it to God. Excuse me. He took some bread and gave thanks to God. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Now, before you take the bread, let's take a few moments and reflect on what this means, what it means to you. So take this time to connect with God and take of the bread as you feel led. If you have not partaken of the bread, you may do so now. Paul continues with Jesus' words in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. He says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink. Again, before you take of the juice, Take a few moments to reflect on what that means, what it means to you. Take this time to connect with God and take of the juice as you feel led. If you haven't partaken of the juice, you can do so now. care volunteers, you can, you can come down to the front. As we end the service, please be considerate of those around you who may still be reflecting. If you need to speak with someone, you can come to the front. Or if you need time to continue reflecting, feel free to stay where you are as the music continues to play. Let's pray. God, help us to reflect on you and what the sacrifice of your son means. Father, help us to elevate you to the place of king, which is who you are and what you deserve. Father, help us see you for who you truly are. In Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.